Listener, want to send in your SMSs. We're getting into our relationship corner now, and we're talking negotiating contraceptives and birth control uh, in relationships. And um, to talk to me about this, I'm joined by Dr. Ninka Fanskaik, who is a senior researcher at the Health Systems Trust. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Such an important discussion. Are couples having free and open discussions when it comes to using contraceptions and, and other birth control measures? Sure. I think um, it depends very much on the couple. Um, I'd like to think that it was, but I think certainly in the majority of cases it's um, the female in the relationship who makes the decision and who goes then to seek medical care or medical advice in Mm. terms of contraception. Mm. And so not much of a shift in terms of uh, men then saying, you know, it is their responsibility as well to be in control of birth control? Um, I think, you know, men have very few options at this stage. The only things that are really available is, is condoms. And also, the, you know, a permanent method in terms of vasectomy. Um, and, and, you know, the new, there's no real male contraceptive as such that's available on mm. the market um, that can be used. Mm. But are men open-minded, though, when it comes to using contraceptives that are perhaps meant for them? Sure. Um, <laughs> I think men have such a, you know, I do think men have a, a an idea about you know being fertile and having you know and interfering with their testosterone levels <laughs> and potentially their sex drive and um, I think it's quite scary for men. Yeah. Well, I want to continue chatting to you, and I'll open up the lines as well. 0891-104-207. We're talking negotiating contraceptives and birth control in relationships. Chatting to Dr. Ninka van Skyk, senior researcher at the Health Systems Trust. Give me a call on 0891-104-207, or send your SMSs to 34701. You're on the talk shop on SAFM. I'm Naledi Mulawan. It's 10 past 8. Still in conversation with uh, Ninka van Skyke or Dr. Ninka van Skyke, senior researcher at the Health Systems Trust, talking about negotiating contraceptives and birth control in a relationship. Whose responsibility is it? Is it the man's or the woman's? Give me a call on 0891-104-207. That's 0891-104-207. Is there a, a, a need for, from women's side to, to want to see men play some sort of role in, in terms of even making decisions around the contraceptives that they, that they do use? You know, I think in terms of, you know, a woman is the one who ultimately ends up, you know, being pregnant, mm. carrying the baby, having lifelong responsibility for the child. Um, and I think so a lot of women feel that it needs to be their responsibility. They can't leave that decision, you know, even if it were available, um, you know, if more options were available to men, to leave that over to the man because it's something that they do have in their control. Um, I think a lot of women would perhaps like to have a discussion with their partner, mm. you know, to say, well, what do you think, you know, the best is for us, um, you know, what we should use, but um, I think a lot of men also just feel that it is a woman's thing, and so I don't even feel that women might, you know, want an opinion on it mm. um, in that particular relationship. Mm. But I imagine that the conversation is easier to be had for um, married couples. I imagine it is, you know, it, you have more of a joint interest, you've known each other for longer, um, and these conversations, you know, become something that you know, is of relevance to you both. Whereas I think in a 
in, in a new relationship or in a situation where you know you in a very short relationship or one night stand you know I think that doesn't really even come up mm. Mm. it's much more difficult to talk about yeah but, no yeah. go ahead no I was just going to say you know I think you know, certainly in our country where we have, you know, there, we have a lot of unwanted pregnancies, we have a lot of teenage pregnancies at the moment, you know, one in 15 deliveries is to a girl under the age of 18. Mm. You know, we've got very high termination of pregnancy rates, which really shows us that I think in general, you know, even though women have quite a few options in our country in terms of contraception, that they're either, you know, n- not able to or not wanting to access those services and that. Mm. We, I, I always maybe attribute that to, um, in certain areas, people just not having enough information about the options that are available to them. Mm. So, mm. so talk to me about the methods of contraception that are available, specifically those that we don't talk about all that widely. Well, there's one new method that's um, been available for, oh, I think, since about April last year in South Africa, which is Implanon, which is an implant. Um, which I think is a really nice, new, exciting option for the women in our country. Mm. Um, it's essentially a small plastic rod that gets placed in the upper arm um, and it releases hormones slowly over a period of three years. So quite a nice option because you don't, you know, it, it means that it's a once-off, you don't need to think about it again mm-hmm. um, for the next three years. And that's a surgical procedure? Well, it you get... No, not well. <laughs> it depends on how you define it, but <laughs> generally it involves a small amount of local anaesthetic being placed mm-hmm. in, you know, under the skin, and then the, the rod being sort of. You know, I, I hesitate to use the word shot, but it's really <laughs> it's not really injection, but you have a sort of a device that allows you to insert it under the skin, mm. um, and you know, quite quick and easy. And um, when you take it out, again, a little bit of local anesthetic, a small incision, and the rod can be really easily removed, which means that it's a fantastic option because if you found it's something that's not working for you, and like you know, you've perhaps gone for um, one of the injectable contraceptives, and those have sort of much longer-lasting effects, yeah. and you, know, you can't take it out once it's in. Mm. Um, you've got to wait for it to finish its, 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 its cycle. Um, but with the implants, it, if it's not working for you or if the side effects are, you know, you can't, if then, you know, are bad for you, then you take it out and within a day or two, your hormone levels drop to normal and your side effects and problems should disappear. So yeah. I think it's a really worthwhile and exciting option for our country, particularly, for example, you know, um, Amongst teenagers, amongst people who struggle to go regularly for an injection or to pick up their um, pills, mm. so I quite yeah, I'm, I'm happy. It's, it's it really is a nice option. Yeah, um, it sounds very futuristic, <laughs> but it's real and it's available and it's at all our facilities. I think you know, um, and actually in the areas you know, since they have released it in areas where they know about it, there's actually been a huge demand for it, um, far more than they actually expected. And I think there's a lot, yeah, I think it's very exciting to hear. But mm. I think more women could ask for it. I mean, but if we look at certainly, you know, a lot of women, particularly in the public health sector in which I'm working, you know, will choose one of the two injectable contraceptives, so either the three-month injection or the mm. two-month injection. Um, far few, fewer women use the pill. Um, and then, for example, the interuterine contraceptive device, which um, is available, you know, 
last year, I think only 42,000 were inserted in the country, which really is quite a low number when you look at... Um, that's the loop. Yes. Okay, but that's probably because people don't understand how the loop operates as well. That's true, and I think a lot of people, you know, um, there are quite a few sort of misconceptions and ideas about it that, that are wrong. You know, women always talk about, you know, it can travel throughout your body, which is absolutely not true. <laughs> Yeah, certainly the the copper tea, um, which is the most readily available, um, you know, can give women slightly heavier periods, which some people don't like. Mm. But certainly it is a very good option. Um, the Mirena is now also available in the public sector. That's the, the one which has some progesterone on it, so it has some hormonal side effects. And a lot of women, it actually leads to lighter periods. That's also currently available in the, in the public sector, which is quite nice. Mm. Um, but certainly, I mean, again, it's one of the sort of what we call the long-acting reversible contraceptives, which means that, you know, it, it's available, you know, it provides you with protection for a long period of time and it can be removed so that you have an instant sort of return to fertility if that's what you want or if, you know, it's not meeting your needs or requirements. Mm. For couples that, that uh, perhaps have different opinions when it comes to what they should be doing, uh, in bed and what they should be doing for birth control. How do you have that conversation? If, if, if perhaps you're a woman who'd like to be on some sort of contraceptive and the man is completely against it, they, how do you approach that conversation and have it be a constructive conversation? Sure, it's a difficult question for me to answer. I haven't been in the situation you know, where I've been counselling patients for a number of years now, but certain, you know, I think ultimately... Yeah, it's a difficult one. Mm. It really depends on the power balance within that relationship, whether it is, you know, whether it is in fact negotiable um, or not. But I think, you know, the ability to choose when you fall pregnant and you know it is, you know, should be a right for women. And mm. you know, certain ones, yes. I mean, there are certain contraceptives that you can take without someone knowing that they're there. And um, you know, I think certain, you know, some women don't like the pull exactly because you know it's. it's the partner can see that and therefore mm. opt either for one of the injectable contraceptives where it's not obvious that you're taking it. Mm. Um, the implant also, unless you know that it's there, you're not, you know, it, it's also something that's not visible. With a with a, u, a loop um, or the, you know, the cup of tea or the marina, the, the strings that a partner may or may not feel. So, um, yeah, I think it very much is a case by case scenario, and you know, in terms of how one handles that. But I think. Certainly, a woman should you know, be given an option whereby she, you know, it, whereby she should be able to protect herself if, mm. if she's not ready for a pregnancy. Because you know, it, a pregnancy is, you know, doesn't come without its risks. Mm. You know, it can still, you know, we still have a high number of maternal deaths in this country. Mm. Um, yeah, that's obviously the, the ultimate um, consequence of pregnancy, but it does happen. Mm. And so I think, you know, certainly in, ter- you know, in terms of family planning and using contraceptives, I mean, if we have women, if everyone in the country is protected from pregnancy, we're going to see a big reduction in maternal deaths, and we're also going to see a lot a reduction of mother-to-child HIV transmission.
Okay. So th- th- this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up the lines 0891104207. That's 0891104207. If you have any questions for my guest, Dr. Ninka van Skyk, uh, Senior Researcher at Health Systems Trust, we're talking about negotiating contraceptives in relationships. Um, is that something that you've struggled with in your relationship? As a man, have you felt that you've had, you haven't had too much of a say in that regard and you'd like to be able to... Uh, to share some input, 0891-104207, and send your SMSs as well to 34701. Um, okay, so I've got an SMS that says, Implanon cannot be used with many patients, um, example, HIV patients and epilepsy patients, etc., etc., be warned. Uh, Doc? Doc, if it's guy? Yes, hi, mm. hi, hi. Yeah, um, yeah go ahead. It's not suitable for everyone, mm. um, and certainly epilepsy is a, you know, is a, a condition where we do um, where we do need to be exceptionally careful. Um, as I say, I'm a public health researcher at the moment. I'm not actively giving implanon to patients, mm-hmm. so um, yes, you know it does it, it it does need to be given by administered by someone who is aware of exactly which person, you know, who should be using it and should not. Um, mm-hmm. And so the need also depends on which antiretrovirals uh, you're on. Mm-hmm. 0891-104-207. That's 0891-104-207. So... Uh, the Health Systems Trust has obviously done a lot of research in, in, with regard to uh, negotiating contraceptives in a relationship. What have been some of the results that have come out that you thought um, you know, really need to be shared? I haven't personally been involved in any studies at the moment um, looking at um, contraception and the use. My sort of field of expertise at the moment really is looking at HIV testing and, mm. and, and couples. So... Um, I can't really share any of the results offhand um, mm. yeah, from our studies. Yeah. Okay, so I'll take your calls on 0891-104-207. Call in if you would like to share your thoughts with us. That's 0891-104-207. Send your SMSs to 34701. You're on the talk shop on SAFM. You're on the talk shop on SAFM. My name is Naledi Muleo. I'm taking your calls on 0891-104207. That number again, 0891-104207. And send your SMSs to 34701. Continuing my conversation with Dr. Ninka van Skyk, who is a senior researcher at the Health Systems Trust. Um, something that a lot of couples are doing, maybe uh, not so proud to openly admit it, but... Uh, as a form of contraceptive, a lot of people are just using withdrawal. And I want to talk about the dangers of that because people just, you know, you don't go on the pill. You don't use anything that is, is medically provided and available for you. Uh, but you choose to withdraw and then cross your fingers and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit like Russian roulette, isn't it? <laughs> it, is, it is. Eventually, you're going to get shot. Well, it is. I mean, because I mean, there's, there are very, there are many risks of it, and there is, you know, there is certain amount of sperm that is in the pre-eject. You know, is you don't, yeah, before you ejaculate, there is a small amount of sperm that can be released. So, um, you've got to get your timing just right. And mm-hmm. certainly, if you're having unprotected sex, you're not only going to get pregnant, but you're putting yourself at a real risk of becoming HIV infected. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think there are, you know, some people might choose just because it is a very natural method of doing it. It doesn't involve any hormones or any other thing being administered, but you can get it wrong. 
so you have to accept the consequence you know, that the consequence of that could be a pregnancy. Mm. For a lot of women, though, there's a fear that if you are on a form of contraception, that um, that that you that you might not then afterwards, once you're off that contraceptive, not be able to conceive. What do you say to that? So I think for certain methods, for example, specifically with the injectable contraceptives, the return to fertility can be quite delayed. Um, for you know, from, for some women, you know, it's between six months and a year, which really is quite a long time. Um, we see it less with um, the the pill, um, some of the oral contraceptives, mm. and um, certainly for methods like the copper tea and the moraine, and once you remove that, your return to fertility should be quite big. But I think in certain cases it can also be, you know, there are other reasons why women don't fall pregnant, but um, it can be attributed to the contraceptive method that you were using at the time. Yeah. Uh, shocking that still uh, a lot of, especially young people, using the morning after pill as a contraceptive. And I want to talk about the dangers of doing that and... And, uh, yeah, so go ahead. So I think, I mean, it, the morning after pill is a very good option for women who, um, you know, for some reason where a condom is broken, where they have had unprotected sex, where they've been vomiting after they've taken their pill normally or using, you know, um, or in sexual assault cases, it's the perfect place to, you know, to use it. Um, it you know, it's not ideal to be using it um instead of a more regular method, um, so because there's a risk. There's a risk that, you know, you might not take it soon enough, that it might not be effective. So um, it's not a method that's advised as a suitable method for, for long-term pregnancy prevention. But it certainly is, is there. It's available if you need it. You know, you can get it at a flight. You can get it over the counter at most pharmacies. Um, you can go to your local clinic or your GP. So, you know, if you have, you know, have the intestinal position where you think you might be at risk of falling pregnant mm. um, it's a very worthwhile option to go for but um, yeah. yeah there's no you know the studies have been done there's no real you know, yeah there's the risk to a woman you know who uses over and over I mean you have huge fluctuations in hormones you've got lots of nausea and vomiting but um it's not going to kill you, mm. but it's certainly not um, something that you want to be doing. All right. Uh, one SMS has come in and says, I never had a say uh, with my wife's use of contraceptives, and now she's struggling to conceive after three years of trying. Uh, that's, that's sad. What are some of the options that they should be exploring? Well, certainly, you know, if they, when we look at, um, you know, if, in terms of when people try, if they're trying regularly every month to fall pregnant and it's not working, then they should seek the services of a fertility clinic and some of the bigger you know, hospitals in the private sector. I mean, in the public sector have that, and then obviously there are numerous options in um, the private sector to go to um, fertility clinics. And normally what they'll start with is looking at the quality of a man's sperm to see whether or not um, there are any issues there because that's quick and easy, you know, that's a relatively easy and simple test to do. Um, whereas investigations of the woman um, are longer and more um, more intricate and involve more um, invasive tests as such. 
Okay. I'm taking your SMSs on 34701. That's 34701. Willie wants to know why condoms are so distasteful to men. <laughs> I don't know if we should ask him that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always the argument, and especially in your poorer communities, when people will tell you that, um, you know, condoms take away the feeling. What do you say to that? I mean, it is, I think generally that is, you know, the general consensus is that sex is more pleasurable without a condom. Um, but, you know, I think... You know, we, we're getting thinner condoms, we're getting ripped condoms, we're getting coloured condoms, we're getting flavoured condoms. I mean, certainly the, the whole range is expanding. But I think until you, you know, you know sex without a condom is a risk mm. in South Africa. It really is. All right. Well, uh, Doctor, thank you so much for giving us your time. I'm going to take more of your SMSs on 34701. That's 34701. Uh, Dr. Ninka von Senior Researcher at the Health Systems Trust. Have yourself a stunning evening, Doc. Thank you. You too. You're still on the talk shop on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Let's get our African affirmations from the Eskia Institute.